The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we simply ask this morning, we, we want to see you better, we want to know you better, we want to trust you, we want to trust you more. Uh, Father, please use um, this sermon that I'm going to try to share today in the same way that you've been using the worship team, just to point and shine a spotlight on you and your glory. Um, I pray, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Jim was not wrong in his prayer. I've been praying the same thing this morning. Help me just calm down. Uh, I told Francis last night, I feel like, you know, like my first sermon, a long, uh, like my first sermon ever, actually. I felt, I felt like pretty excited, but a uh, li- little pump, a little adrenaline. So if you see my wife over there going, just uh, to tone it down, buddy. Uh, you're going too fast over there. We are going to look at uh, John chapter 17 today. Let me explain just a minute. Back around Easter time, we started uh, looking at some of the words of Jesus and around Easter, we went through the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. And then we went into Jesus' first and longest, most famous sermon, which was the Sermon on the Mount. And spent quite a bit of time there this spring and, and even into June. And I thought, you know, Jesus has four other notable sermons that he preaches. And then, you know, some other, if you want to call them red letter words, you know, other things that Jesus says throughout Scripture. And I thought, okay, should we head in that direction or... I also got thinking during my little vacation month here, I wanted to focus on the books of wisdom in Scripture. So we got, uh, uh, you know, Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. So I was reading through those. And as I did that, just kind of, you know, I I was trying to be deep. (laughs) Yeah, I know that's a joke. Uh, But I was trying to be deep uh, and kind of think, you know, just about, you know, the meaning of life, what my life is all about, what our life is all about, what the church is all about, and thinking through the purpose that we have. So I thought, I'll read the books of wisdom, you know, we'll we'll focus on that there. Uh, So I thought, okay, which way do I go? Should we go? And what happened is, as I read in John chapter 17, what is called... Jesus' high priestly prayer, as I read in that, uh, in that passage, I thought, you know, this is perfect because this is both. This is the words of Jesus, but he also in there, I think, lays out his purpose for the church. In fact, if you go to John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to them and he uses the phrase that maybe you've heard before. He says, I will build my church. Now, he also goes on and he talks about how much opposition they're going to face. But he says, I will build my church. Then in Acts, of course, uh, after John, we read about the birth and growth of the church. In the epistles, Paul and other writers give instruction for the church. In the book of Revelation, we find out about the future of the church. But in John chapter 17, in this prayer, and this is just one aspect of this prayer. We're going to look at John uh, chapter 17 for more than just today. But one aspect of that prayer is that as he prays for his church, as he prays for his people... And obviously, I hope you get, I'm not talking about this church, communion, I'm talking about his church, all the blood-washed believers in Jesus Christ, those who trust in him, as he prays for us, those who believe on his name, uh, those who trust in him, as he does that, we also see his purpose, or if you want to say the meaning, what life should all be about, what we want to focus on. So we're going to go ahead and begin reading in John chapter 17. And dig into a couple of the main ideas that come out as far as the purpose of the church uh, is concerned here. So when Jesus had spoken these words, 
he lifts up his eyes to heaven and he begins to pray. And the rest of the chapter really is his prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifest your name. I've showed forth your name. I have put a spotlight on your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, we're going to come back and read a little bit more in a few minutes. But the first idea that jumps out in this prayer is very simple. It is the glory of God. Um, I was, uh, you know, I Google a little bit. Okay, okay, what are the most important things for a church? And uh, some of you are familiar. There's a website called the Babylon Bee. It's, uh, they call it a Christian onion. I've never read the onion, but it's a sarcasm that they use. So this is sarcastic. Okay, don't miss that. Uh, designed to be sarcastic, but they had the 10 things to look for in a church, 10 most important things to look for in the church. The very first one is uh, make sure they have organic coffee. None of this junky Folgers stuff. Uh, you have to understand that sarcasm there. Uh, by the way, we have Folgers. <laughs> so <laughs> lose uh, right there. They also said, I don't know if anybody else will find this amusing, but they said make sure that the worship team has at least two members wearing stocking caps throughout the entire year. Uh, I found that amusing. I don't know why folks do that. Uh, I know it's cool. I thought about wearing a stocking cap this morning, but I decided, decided not to. But I, I found that, that amusing. And then one of the other ones they said is make sure that within a month of the release of every Marvel movie, they do a sermon series about the Marvel movie. Uh, make sure that's there. Again, that was sarcasm. But let me tell you another list that I found. Another list that they were very sincere. You know, I'll click on things. Okay, most important things for your churches to have. So I click on it. Number one thing I found out our church has to have, uh, you know, to really see the Spirit of God move and, and blessing, adequate parking. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That one wasn't sarcastic. Now, parking is important. I don't think people like to, you know, have to walk a mile and, and make it convenient. But they said the number one thing to make sure your church has, the most important thing for church growth, is adequate parking. Number two was a good nursery. Now, both those things are crucial. They're very important. We should do those things. But honestly, if that is all there is to ministry, please fire me. Uh, let me go get a job somewhere else because it's just like, you know, okay, here's the strategy we'll do just like we're running a business somewhere. No mention of God or his word or his glory or anything like that. It says, man, we got we to gotta follow these principles and these rules, and that is how we're going to have success. But what Jesus says, I believe, is most important is this right here. The glory of God. That phrase comes up in a, a couple different ways in Scripture. A lot of times in the Old Testament, you'll see the phrase, the glory of the Lord appeared and God will show up. Someone described it like this. I love this expression. They said it is the outward wow that brings the inward woe. 
I, I love that. I thought of Isaiah when he wrote and he saw the glory of the Lord. And then he said, woe is me for I am undone. He was just overwhelmed with how good God is. I think about science. I think about nature when I think about this and I see, uh, you know, I picture God's glory. I was just, even yesterday, you know, we were raining for however long it rained, uh, for, forever. Animals lining up two by two. But it, as it was raining yesterday, you know, and I looked at that, I thought, man, I was just thinking about, I remember my studies of water back when I was in high school science, you know, and just the amazing way, and first of all, how water expands when it gets cold, otherwise all the sea life would die, and God worked that miracle in there, contrary to other things that shrink up when they get cold. I thought about that action that pulls, I think it's capillary action or something that brings the water up to the top of trees and the miracle of that, but I just thought about just the whole cycle of water and God's purification system of running back through, and I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and we did get on our vacation, you just see some things that you just stand there and say, wow, God, that is awesome. But it is seeing how awesome God is and then responding with, whoa, whoa. Isaiah said, woe is me for I am undone. Look, you know, look who I am compared to God. That is one expression or that is one way the glory of God is used. The other way, when it talks here about glorifying God, it really just means we want to shine the spotlight on God. God. We want to make him large. We want folks to uh, see how incredible he is. One of the ways that we are going to do that, uh, that we are going to orient our life to what is true north, and that is God's glory. Uh, some of you remember in what is called the Westminster Catechism that the, uh, what it, the first question is, what is the purpose of man? And it is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I mean, this is our true north. This is what our lives are to be about, about God's glory. So one of the things that we want to do is be declaring that glory. How do you declare the glory of God? Uh, one of the ways we do it is by sharing the gospel with other people, by telling people, hey, you know what? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And if you'll believe in him for uh, forgiveness of sins, uh, he said he'll forgive you and that you might have eternal life. That's one way to declare the glory of God. Another great way, you know, Jim talked about as a church sharing with the kids, but also in your home, sharing with our children the glory of God, talking about God, keeping him ever before him. It's an idea that runs throughout scripture that we want to be passing on the knowledge and the greatness of God to future generations. But a third way that we can be declaring is very simply by saying things. The songs we sang, perfect package today, just lifting up and pointing to God. That is so much of what we want to be doing. And I want you to think about how much. Um, okay, let me start with this for a second. Um, a few years ago, my son, well, actually, a number of years ago, he was in college. He had a friend who was a musician who played in a lot of worship uh, music. And I remember my son telling me, you know, I'd say, what are you doing tonight? He said, oh, I'm going so-and-so has a show. I'm going to the show. He called it a show. I thought it was interesting, but they would get together and they'd play worship music and people would sing. But he referred to it as a show. I remember Zach Teeter using that same phrase to me. I said, you, you free tonight? He said, no, I got a show I'm playing. And uh, now, first of all, I was kind of rubbed the wrong way. A show? What do you mean a show? You putting on a show? Uh, but that's just the old self-righteous toot in me. Um, sorry, did I say that a lot? Uh, but, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, as I think about it, I don't really care what you call it, but the idea of the time is that if it's a show, God is the star of it. Okay? And folks, I, I mean this very sincerely. I couldn't wait to get back and worship with you this morning. I love that. David, I love that. Rachel, Peggy, uh, Hannah, Trent, 
Barry, I missed anybody up there. Uh, oh, Kevin. Yeah, Ke oh, I love this too. Kevin came in today and he said, hey, you've been going through a little bit of a rough time. He said, I had to come and worship with you. That's great because that time of worshiping and praying to God, that what that does is that reorients our life. We focus on him again. Oh, look at this. This is so good. The, the worship leader in the scripture uh, that um, wrote Psalm 73, his name is Asaph. Look at this verse. Okay, when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a, a wearisome task. Okay, he's referring back and he's talking about just how hard life is and that the, the, the bad people are winning and the good people are losing. He said, I don't understand how tough life is. I'm tired of good things uh, happening to bad people in verse of Isa. Okay, he's, I, just, I, I, just, I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's too wearisome a task. I can't even think about it. But then here's what he said he did. He went into the sanctuary of God. He stopped and he worshiped God. And he said, then I discerned their end. He said, then I figured out, hey, you know what? They have an eternity without God and I have an eternity with Jesus. And this is all good. We, we can make it. And he focused on that. I've mentioned that before. When my thinking is going in the, in, the, in the wrong direction, what I need to do more than anything is stop and thank the Lord. Stop and list the things I'm thankful for. It gets me turned around. I think that's what you're talking about today, Kevin. I got to get, get back and, and worship and praise the Lord. It reorients our thinking. Okay? And very, I, I don't... Okay. I have a hard time... Uh, watching a service online and getting into the worship. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. You try to keep up with church and you watch it, watch it. We'll continue to show it, but I, I don't really connect. But I love to be surrounded by people who are lifting their voice. First of all, then I can't hear my voice, and that's really good. Uh, but I love to be surrounded by people. And can I say this? If your attitude is such that you know, it's, it's only worship time, I can look at my phone now. It's only worship time. Now's the time to take a break. Let me, let me change that around completely for you. It's, don't, don't take that approach at all. This is, this is so important that we get together and we focus on him and we lift him up and we praise who he is. I don't know what that looks like for you. You know, again, I'm going to, as long as his arms still work and go up, I'm probably going to be the guy up here raising his hands. That doesn't mean you have to. Uh, you know, I might be a guy, you know, moving around a little bit. Uh, not like that. That was weird. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, <laughs> but I might be, but because I'm going to, that, that's just who I am. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know this, I, that as people come in and they look and they say, hey, you know, there's something going on here. They're focusing on Christ. I like my, I visit my parents' church one time in Dallas, and uh, it was one of the biggest churches in the country, and it was, it was known as the wealthiest church in the country. I fit right in. Uh, but, I, you know, I, it was a classy place, and I knew I belonged there. But, uh, but anyway, I, I always remember this because every time we visited, they would have, you know, different uh, singing and, and different people come up and sing. But there was always like one singer that would sing before the message. And it was like that prime spot. And that's where the all-stars sang, you know. Oh, you got to sing before the message. Wow. Uh, and you could tell it was, and, and the, the, it was usually a lady that would walk up there and she'd croon the tune. And, and it was like she was walking back and high five. <laughs> I nailed that. Uh, like that. And I thought, no, that's not what we're doing here. We're not putting on a show. I told you before, you know, there was a couple of times with Jeremy, I said to him, hey, Jeremy, why don't we have a special, you know, just somebody sing sometime. He said, okay, we can do that. But he said, you know, worship isn't a spectator sport. Uh, and I said, okay, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> we won't do that. Bad idea, Dan. Uh, but, the, uh, but, but honestly, that's why, I mean, we want to come here and make use of that time together to, to lift up his name. 
Okay? A second idea, we could say, uh, you know, God's glory is to be declared. We're supposed to say it, but also demonstrate it. Jesus said in there, I have done the work that you gave me to do. And the way that we're living and following and being obedient to him is also uh, the way of bringing glory to God. Okay, so I want us to think about what are we about? Number one, we've got to be about God's glory. Now, the second idea ties into that uh, very closely. So let's read a little bit more here. In fact, we're going to read down through verse 17. Of, again, this is John 17. I have manifested, we, we all read this verse, but I have showed your name uh, to the people. I have, I have made it great. I've put the spotlight on you. Uh, to these people that you gave me out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. Now, if you're picking up a second theme here, the first one, God's glory, look how many times he's talking about truth and the word. You gave me the word. Okay, uh, we're focusing on the truth. He goes on and says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been uh, lost except the son of destruction, Judas, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. I'm going to leave this earth. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy. Okay, I want them to be unified. I want them to have joy. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of this world. <laughs> Sorry, I saw this preacher holding up a headline from a paper in his town that said, uh, what does it say? Unbelievers do not like message preached. <laughs> that was the headline on the front page of a paper. I was like, duh. Uh, that, yeah, that, that, could, that could happen there. It says they've been hated because of his word, uh, just as I am not of the world. And then he goes on, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. And then he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now I want to say again, we're, we're kind of skimming this prayer for a second. But the first idea that I want to talk about a little bit is the glory of God. The second thing is the word of God, the importance of that. He says, truth, okay? He says, put them in my truth, my word. You gave it to me, I gave it to them. I want them to know your word. Word. I want them to, to see that. And I, again, you know, little reflection during my time off, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, what's important around here? I wanted to make sure you knew this. We are always going to have a pretty predictable pattern around here. Okay, what I mean is we are going to make sure that each week there's a time when together, corporately, we're singing the, the, the praises of God. And we are going to make sure each week that somebody says, open your Bibles, and we're going to look at your Bible, and we're going to look at the Word of God. We're going to do that all, all the time. Uh, I'm not against creativity. In fact, sometimes I look and I say, hey, we need to shake it up a little bit. Holidays, I like to get you a skit guy's skit in there somewhere. But honestly, um, I, I, I want to be very careful about that. 
Um, I want to make sure that we are focusing on the Word of God. I, I visit, and, and stay with me on this whole thing because it's going to sound like I'm slamming somebody that I don't really mean to. We visited my son's church one year on Thanksgiving time, and they were in the middle of a movie sermon series. So this was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so they're kicking off the holiday season, and we walked in, and they had popcorn for everybody, free popcorn. Smelled good. Um, and they had uh, a guy dressed like Elf, uh, you know, like, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, yeah, uh, Elf, you know, dressed like that in the lobby, and they were passing out, and they were talking about that, and a lot of the service was playing clips of the movie through. They didn't show the whole movie, but they played a lot of it, and then the pastor would stand up and make an application from it. Now, I want to make sure I say this. The pastor of that church is an excellent preacher. He's far better than I am. Uh, he is a smarter man than I am, sharper man than I am, better organized, probably a better person than I am. So I'm not really like, oh, bad church, evil devil. I'm not saying that. Uh, I really am not. But at the same time, I am saying, I don't think that fits our purpose. I think what we want to be doing, what we want to make sure that we're doing is opening the word of God. There's a tendency, well, people like that. They come to that and, uh, and, and you know, they, they have a good time and they take away a truth from it. That's nice, but I'm not called to get people to come and to give them a little truth to take away. I'm called to try to exalt the glory of God and preach the word of God. Is that, is that making sense? That's kind of where I am. You, know, you might get another pastor someday who wants to do, you know, some more things. And we'll do some things differently sometimes. You know, we might do that. I was going to tell you this story, too. Uh, we used to have a family. They would always sit right back there about where the bells are today. Uh, but uh, they moved away about five years ago. I think they're in Michigan. Now, I can say their name because it's a positive illustration. Uh, they're called Millen. Anybody remember Adam and Hannah Milliman? Great little couple. He'd always wear shorts and a white shirt and a bow tie. I love the look. And his little boys were dressed like that too. In fact, next week, shorts, bow tie. No. Uh, but uh, but he, he always had that look. But they always, some of you might remember them. They always kept their kids, little kids, in church with them. I mean, all, all the, you know, it was like, you know, we have child care. I know. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Uh, we're keeping our kids in church with us. But I, I actually, now stay with me. I love the reason why they did it. They said they wanted their kids not to uh, grow up have, believing that everything was all about them. Like, you know, church is designed for you, you know, and everything like that. Now, you say, are you, we're going to do that? No, we're not. About Four weeks ago, I had my four grandchildren in here. I only preached 12 minutes, and I was like, that's all we can handle. I was competing with them. We're not doing that. Uh, but, but I love the thinking. Do you, does that make sense, what they said? That, you know, because we have not just the young generation, uh, but every generation, a lot of times, we think church is all about us. But we're raising people more and more that everything revolves around them. Life revolves around them. So I understood Adam and Hannah saying, we don't want our kids to grow up thinking it's all about them. We want them to understand it's all about God and his glory and his word. That's what's important. I, I love that about them, you know, that, you, you know, that they were will, willing to do that. I also love that they kept their kids in line. They were really good during church. But, uh, but we, you know, we, we just love that. But this idea of God's word, so crucial. Acts 2.42, when it describes the church, what's it say? The first characteristic of the church is they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, was the last thing that Paul said to Timothy, who was writing as a young pastor at the end of 2 Timothy. He said, preach the word. In season and out of season, do that. We want, so we want the spotlight to be on God and his word. 
We want to shine that all, all, all the time. You say, well, a church should be known for love. Hey, yeah. Church should be known for missions. Yeah. A church should be known for a bit, being a great family place. Yes, it should. But all those things will come out of the other thing. You can have those things without a focus on God's word. But if you focus on God's word, those other things will grow out of that. So we want to make sure. So, I, you know, I'm, sometimes I say things like this because I want to be accountable to you. You said, Pastor, you know, we kind of forgot that whether I am preaching, uh, you know, one passage after another expository preaching or whether I'm preaching topically, I want to make sure that I, that you know, that you sense that this person takes the Word of God very seriously. It is not about what I say. It's not about what I think. That my job is to do the very best I can to dig into, to dissect the Word of God and share that with you. Okay, that is my job. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I want to do. And I say that... Uh, Again, to give myself some accountability to you so that, you know, you realize that. Now, in our text, we saw a few different things uh, that the Word of God does. Um, it says, I pray for you that you'll have unity, a centering and a focusing on the Word of God. I pray that you'll have joy, okay? Our world knows temporary happiness. I want you to have joy that goes beyond what this world can offer. I want you to have something that lasts. We find that when we are anchored in the Word of God and in God's truth. And another thing that the Word of God more, does more than anything is it cleans us up. Psalm 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to the Word. Okay, by following and obeying. C.S. Lewis said this, um, Every sin is rooted in believing a lie. And the number one lie that we are told over and over again is that God is not good. Um, again, please stay with this illustration. There's a point to it. Not, not. I'm going to hurt myself, pat myself on the back here. Uh, when I was a teenager, is when I first trusted the Lord and began to walk and follow follow Him. Um, I went. I'm got. I became part of a Christian school. So for two and a half years there, as as a teenager, I heard a chapel sermon a couple times a week in a Bible class every day. And we were very faithful in church. Went to college. Uh, my college was a little radical. Spent uh, five years there because I was a little slow. No, we, we did get a master's degree. But uh, the uh, but in the five years, I had chapel every day, plus all the churches, plus Bible classes on top of Bible classes, everything like that. Uh, then I uh, started to work in ministry for 30 years where I, you know, I've told you before, I only preached a couple times a year at the most, but I would teach the Bible every day. Uh, by the end, I was teaching five different Bible classes, five different pre Bible preps a day. Okay, then I get to come here. <laughs> I can tell you, I've told you, I love this. I mean, Monday morning, I was like, yes, uh, preparing for a sermon. You're not, you say, well, are you supposed to do that during sabbatical? No, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to think about the next sermon. And I didn't. Okay, I lied. Uh, but, but I was... Uh, but that morning, I was like, ah, oh, I love to do this. I love to dig in and dissect the Word of God. I love to do that. And I get paid to do that. What I'm saying is this. I have, and I'm so thankful for this, I've had the opportunity to keep my life saturated in the Word of God. And I struggle, and I've struggled this week with believing what is true and as opposed to believing lies. Several different things that have come into my life. I, I've had to, I had to stop and reorient and say, oh, that stinks, and, you know, I don't like this. And I believe the lie initially, and I have to get reoriented to God and his truth and what he says. So please understand what I'm saying. I said this to Francis the other night. I said, if I do, 
And again, not I'm better than you. I, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying I'm somebody who's had the opportunity to really saturate his life in the Word of God. And if I'm struggling with that, if you are getting, you know, 35 minutes a couple times a month of teaching of the Word of God, I, I feel for you. I don't know how you're going to stay focused on the truth. I don't know how you're going to stay uh, centered on God's Word. Is, is, that, is that making a little sense here? Um, I mentioned that I read through the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know how familiar you are with that, uh, but Solomon writes it, and it's 12 chapters, and most of it is all, it's a little depressing <laughs> because you just read, and it's like, I tried this, and it was empty. I tried this, and it was empty. I tried this, and this is empty. And when I think about the guy that wrote that, you know, this is the guy that says, he says, hey, I've tried wealth. He was the richest man in the world. And he said, the wealth didn't fill me up, okay? He could buy me a boat and a truck to pull it, but, uh, but, uh, but, it, but it's not, it's not going to fill me up. It's not going to satisfy me. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. Um, the, the, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to uh, find everything I'm looking for in that. And he had all the wealth there was. He was smart. He's considered the wisest man to ever live. So in that, that didn't satisfy, okay? He had a harem, hundreds of wives, hundreds more concubines, and that didn't satisfy. He had more power at that time on earth than anybody alive, and that didn't satisfy. So he spends ele over 11 chapters, more than 11 chapters, just saying, hey, none of these things satisfies. And then here's what he says in the last two verses of Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, after all has been heard, here's what he says is important. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. After he looks at everything, he looks at his life, he says, bottom line is, fear God and keep his commandments. That's where our focus is. Okay, and as I think about it, like, please, uh, we've got more to look at in this high priestly prayer. It's just awesome to think about the fact that Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? <laughs> just, just to think that the Son of God uh, prays for us, and we'll look at that in some more detail later. But I wanted you to see a couple of main ideas that come out of that. His glory and His Word. And these should be not only the things that bring uh, the church that the church should come back to and that the church together corporately should focus on. But in our lives, we want to do the same thing. So hopefully there we learn to ask ourselves about the different activities in my life. Does this glorify God? You know, not will somebody think bad of me if I do it. Does this glorify God? Is this something that through my life I can shine a light on him and his greatness? And how am I responding to God's word? When I hear it, you know, do I walk out and say, yeah, yeah nice, what, whatever? Or am I saying this is indeed the word that God gave, okay? Jesus said, you've given it to me, I gave it to them, okay? And the disciples are going to take it and they're going to pass it on. This is the word of God that he has given us for life. Now, I wanted to close today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. As I wanted to close just with a little glory. We're we going to do the Revelation song. Man, there were so many. That gratitude song was great. Anything. What, what are we doing? Revelation song. Okay, great. Okay. But I hope, and, and folks, you know, this isn't like, you know, super preachy. You guys are wicked or anything like that. I, I just know how we all are. And I have, uh, well, last month, you visit church and you go in, and, and I find myself sometimes, uh, especially if I'm a visitor looking around, 
you know, checking out, yeah, are people singing or not? No, they're not singing uh, like that. And part of the reason I stay up here and I don't look around is because I don't want to do that. I don't, I, what I want to do during that time is go, whew, put my focus right there. So I want to really encourage you. Maybe even you missed a little bit this morning of worship because you were just, you know, still on your phone or still had your mind somewhere else. So I want to encourage you as we close the service to think about and to focus on Jesus and his glory. Um, kind of repeat a phrase. Uh, hopefully I can stick this in your brain a little bit here. Allow worship of the Most High God to reorientate, to reorient your thinking. Okay, allow worship. to. So in other words, hey, this isn't, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't where I want to be. Great thing to do is stop. Maybe it's take, take one of these songs and play it. Close your eyes and just play it and think about the greatness of God. Maybe it's walk outside and behold his creation. You know, maybe it's, you know, to dive into the word of God. Psalm 76 is one we looked, looked at earlier. But to allow our worship of him and our praise of him to re reorient our thinking is so crucial. Father, um, yeah, I feel like, God, I don't have a, a big enough light to shine on your greatness. I feel like uh, I need some bigger batteries, a bigger spotlight or whatever. But, um, you know, you said in your prayer that you glorified the Father. And I just ask that you continue your work in that. May we see his greatness. May we see his power. May we see his goodness. May we see his love. And may we, because we see these things, grow in our trust in him. Help us to, as we sang, keep our eyes above the storm and keep our eyes on you in difficult days, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.